Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team. Team of us, everyone in. So the Ireland team to face Scotland on Saturday at Murrayfield has been named. One unexpected change to the side. Robbie Henshaw suffered a dead leg earlier in the week. So Chris Farrell will partner Bundiaki in the centre. Five changes in total from the team that were beaten by England last weekend. Rob Carney returns at full back. Quinn Rue comes into the second row. Jack Conan replaces CJ Stander at number eight. And the only on-force change sees Sean O'Brien coming in place of Josh van der Fleer on the open side. Andy Dunn is on the line. Evening, Andy. Good evening, Nathan. So Chris Farrell makes his return. First time playing for Ireland since that man of the match performance against Wales in last year's Six Nations. What's your overall take on that Ireland team? Um, well, I'm not surprised at, at Farrell coming in, given Henshaw's injury. Um, the only surprise or, or contentious issue, apart from the enforced changes and the injuries for me, is probably the inclusion of Quinn Roo, in terms of his, his competence um, relevant to James Ryan, Devon Toner, Ian Henderson, Tyke Byrne, I think he, he's well below par in terms of ability compared to those players. Um, Joe only has two choices as a result, Ulton Delan or Quinn Roo. And he, he's chosen Quinn Roo. For me, Delan is a, is a more dynamic um, player around the field. However, he's probably looking for more of a, a talismanic uh, role and uh, maybe a bigger guy with bigger physical presence around the field and I believe uh, Rue has also been um, involved in calling line out strategically mm. as well so he's obviously gone for that as a choice um, you know carefully considered I'm sure um, that's probably one of the surprises in my mind Joe Schmidt described it as Murphy's Law last weekend the way the injuries have come in the second row an area where we felt we had so much depth that we had so much talent that we were going to have to leave either Ian Henderson or Ty Byrne out of the 23 and then you end up in this situation with Quinn Rue who wasn't in the original training squad even is going to be starting this massive game a lot of what you heard of Quinn Rue from the last couple of days is I don't know much about him I haven't seen a huge amount of him mm. from what you've seen of his time in Connacht and he's, he's been in and around Ireland squads for Four, three, four years at this stage. What are the qualities that he has that that Joe Schmidt likes? Um, I, I think just physical presence. From, from what I gather, his his contribution to scrummaging as a second row seems to be a, a strength that is valued. Um, he doesn't look particularly light on his feet or springy in terms of as a lineout operator and and around the field is is not overly dynamic. Um, it's it's. It's an interesting one in, in the sense he is, as he said, he, he described it as Murphy's Law and, and bad luck with losing key second row players. Um, but I, I, I don't necessarily agree. I mean, Murphy's Law, we, we, play, um, we play a more physical, physically abrasive game um, at times than a lot of teams. And, and again, we, we hit 135 rooks against England against the 80 that England hit. And they still hammered us physically around the field. They looked like they were a more physically dominant side. Our guys are running into brick walls on a regular occasions, and it's unfortunate. Um, Sequile of, of having a, a style that we do, you're going to be at higher risk of injuries, and I think it's not necessarily Murphy's law. I think you're going to ha- you're going to get physical injuries to players, given the way we play. From talking to you a lot over the last couple of years watching this Joe Schmidt side, I did get the sense even before we spoke today that you were, wouldn't have been surprised by 
the amount of injuries that came from that game last weekend when England came with all their might because you've mentioned this constantly about how attritional it is for Ireland Eddie O'Sullivan spoke about it last night that is our brand of rugby and we see from one week of the Six Nations how problematic that is and also looking at the bigger picture of a World Cup when you don't even get these breaks as they do after this week against Scotland then you became against Italy in another break that you're at the very least going to have to put together three back-to-back performances five big performances probably over the space of eight weeks would you have major concerns that this brand of rugby isn't sustainable in a World Cup year? Yeah, I've had I've had those concerns for, for a number of years now watching the style that Joe plays, and, and I have I've, I've discussed it on you know with you guys there and off the ball too. Even even when we are successful, I think we've got to got to you got to treat success as as measured as you do treat failure. And and we, we didn't overly lose the run of ourselves when we won a Grand Slam, and we were constructive in our criticism about that style being potentially difficult or damaging. And um, similarly, losing and having a, a pretty awful day last Saturday does not mean we've become a bad side overnight. But the worrying trend is that the physical nature of how we play and, and the, I suppose the instruction for players to create rooks in order to fulfill their role that is prescribed and have multiple phases of play is, is hugely energy sapping. And it, <clears throat> one thing that is probably an intangible, it's very hard to manage, measure the player's energy on the field, but they look very lacklustre last Saturday. I think when you when you were required to play that way regularly, it, there is inevitably going to be a period where you, you drop off your intensity levels and your arousal levels. Now, it doesn't mean we can't go and play this aggressive combat of style successfully again. It's just going to be, you mentioned the bigger picture. The bigger picture means can you put it together five, six times in a row in seven weeks in a World Cup or five times in seven weeks in a Six Nations? And I think you probably can, but you're going to need about 45 players, not 31. So it's a bit of a catch-22. I mean, Joe is on record for, you know, saying he needed to develop strength and depth mm. after, the, you know, so feeling so chastened after the World Cup experience against Argentina. And he's definitely done that, um, to his credit. But, but again, then the style is, is a bit of a challenge. I mean, 31 players may not be enough five, for five games in seven weeks, given the physical nature of how we're approaching things. Listening to Eddie O'Sullivan last night, and, and when you talk about trying to get away from that attritional brand, I, from a layman's point of view, I'd always think that you're almost trying to play like Scotland do and get it out wide quickly and not have as many hits. He was talking about actually just going straight down the centre, trying to find these soft shoulders, trying to find an opening just straight down the middle, and that maybe Ireland, Ireland are they going to ground too easily? Are they, are they looking for a, a strong hit rather than just taking the soft shoulder? Well, I think we're looking to go to ground... For, for a fact we are because we average 140 rucks a game and all the other four top four nations out of the world's top five average 80. So uh, I've been banging on about that stat for a while but it's, it's absolute proof that we go to ground far more than others um, and that's got to be a brief. It's not that the players are incapable of staying on their feet or attacking soft shoulders. They're being instructed to do that. Um, we had 200 passes against England and two of them were offloads. Yeah, I thought we were sort of past that conversation because that was the constant during the last World Cup was the lack of offloads. I thought, considering the amount of tries that Ireland have been scoring in, in the last 18 well, months, two years, that that wasn't an issue? No, we've scored, we haven't scored tries through offloads. We've scored tries by 
battering people down relentlessly after 35 phases in five meters out from their try line. So it is very much a live conversation in my mind. But, um, you know, I, without saying overly negative, you know, that is an issue and it's a concern. And I think a lot of people, whether they could articulate it looking at it on Saturday or not, um, there was a lot of worry and concern about the, the, the energy levels in the group. And I think that's a byproduct of how physically demanding um, the type of way they play or the way they're being asked to play. That's a byproduct. But, you know, one of the interesting stats from the last 18 months is um, I think it was between the last six nations and the, the tour to Australia, we got six tries from turnovers. And that's a great way to, to score, to counterattack, because... You know, our def- we held the All Blacks to a scoreless, a try, a tryless game in in, in November. Yeah, we were incredibly disciplined defence, incredibly physical and, and courageous defence. But by turning over a ball, you're you're playing against a side that is not organised, and it's a far greater way to attack. And that's a very New Zealand concept. The Crusaders are the most successful. Roger Telly, he's coaching them now. The most successful franchise in super rugby history and they've built nine of their titles around playing uh, attacking rugby off turnovers you don't have to go out and construct and deconstruct teams and, and by, by by breaking them down through strategy you work on an incredibly strong defense it's a bit like the the gagan press type stuff you see with jurgen klopp it's, it's a high press it's putting teams under pressure when you get a turnover you're playing against a broken system um, now, we've done that really well. I just don't think we maybe focus on that enough as an attacking threat. We like to hold on to possession for so long, I think we're exhausted. Gordon Darcy was saying that for a World Cup, we need to be getting towards a, a plan C, that you, at times you'll need to go to that. Joe Schmidt said, I'd be interested in how to describe our plan A. There aren't too many weeks where I don't get a letter from somebody saying I should be picking this player, trying to do this in the game. That's when we're winning. When we lose, we expect three letters. A lot of people describe how we're playing and what plan A, B and C is. We have a very varied game. We play strong offset piece and we have varied kicking and attacking game and we try to vary our defensive game. I'll leave them to do their analysis and we'll do ours and try to keep improving. Have you seen signs of a, of a plan B for Ireland? Um, no, I, I think we're playing very much the same way as we were a year ago. And I think, um, you know, Joe's brief from the IRFU has been to win the next match. And he's taken that literally and he's gone out to win the next match. The, the bigger picture, as, as the phrase he used to mention, is, you know, development of, of nuanced styles. And that's all very flowery and, and idealistic. When your brief as a head coach or CEO of an organization or anything is, you win the next day, we've got a game. And that is his brief because that's what brings in the revenue. for. The and he IRF. does it very successfully. He does it brilliantly. Um, but, you know, maybe his employers need to change the brief and say, you know, you don't have to win every single game and you don't have to win the next match. You get a, you get a, you know, get a, a license to be, a, empower players to be a bit more expressive. I mean, we don't have a plan B. We don't have a plan C. If you look at how, how the All Blacks play, famously Steve Hansen um, in, in 2014, I think, referred to the Irish team saying they spent six hours doing video analysis of us, but we don't know what we're going to do. So how are they going to defend us? I mean, they're, not, they're going out in the field um, with players who are equipped with a huge amount of skill and are empowered to make decisions on the hoof, where we have, we have players of that capacity but are not being empowered to do so, being told exactly where to be, on multiple occasions for multiple phases 
And while it does work most of the time, um, it does become tiresome for players physically, mentally, and I think it drains them at times. And you're going to inevitably have peaks and troughs. Mind you, if you're playing a very creative game, you're going to have peaks and troughs too. Yeah. Do you think if Joe Schmidt had had those conversations with the RFU and there wasn't the pressure, and I don't, I don't think we're ever going to be in a situation where there isn't the pressure to win every Six Nations game or to experiment during a Six Nations, but do you think if that option was there, even this week, if conversations were had, listen, Joe, do whatever's best for World Cup. Don't worry about the Six Nations. Do you think he would change things? I'm not, I'm not sure. I'd be very uh, it'd be speculation, but I suppose like, by comparison, the Leinster teams he coached were, were very um, expressive and were very um, attack-minded, were very fluent in attack. His Irish teams certainly lacked that level of fluency. Um, you could counter-argue that you know the time is less on the ball at international level. It's higher intensity and you cannot, just as you, you can't compare like with like a provincial level going up a level to international and maybe you need to be more um, dogmatic about structured play. But... Um, yeah, I suspect if the IRFU, which they're not going to do, but if they sat down, Joe, and said, you, you have freedom to go and lose a couple of games if it betters our style of play, I suspect he might embrace that. Yeah, I mean, it would be, he's not, I don't think he's averse to being um, attacking or attack-minded. I just think his, his current strategy to, to, to success and, and to scoring tries and points is, is very, very one-dimensional. One what you said there about Steve Hansen and we don't know how we're going to play, so how would Ireland know what we're going to do? Do you worry after watching what England did to Ireland last week that Ireland have become easy to analyse, that they become easy to read and that what England did last week other teams will be able to replicate? Yes, I do. I think we are easy to read, but we're, it doesn't mean we're easy to, to play against. I mean, I think we were easy to read last year as well, but we still won the Grand Slam. You know, we, our attention to... I think what Joe... I, constantly here coming the sound bites coming out of cart in the house or Joe's attention to detail and and Joe's you know um, infamous video sessions uh, where where people who lack attention to detail are getting hauled over the coals if, if you have a predictable plan but it's done it's executed to the highest level you're still very very difficult to beat and I, I don't believe we were any less easy to read last year we were just um, we were at peak levels of, of physicality and aggression and courage it's just hard to sustain an ongoing basis just then going back to the team selection it was obvious from very early in the week that rob carney was going to play the last we saw of carney was a couple of weeks ago in the pro 14 against scarlets where he looked well off the pace would you have any concerns about where he is at the moment slotting back into the team uh, I, if you'd asked me two weeks ago, Rob Kearney coming in, having not played, would I be concerned? I probably would have said no. But on the back of seeing um, Peter O'Mahony looking not so fresh, on the back of seeing Johnny Sexton having a poor day, having been out for five, six weeks, and Murray not being in, in great form. Murray had a very poor game and equally poor uh, a couple of weeks ago against Exeter. Your, your key kind of leaders and, and decision makers on the field coming back in without game time and we're all assuming they're able to hit the ground running because they've done it previously but maybe mm. they're a year older maybe it's harder to do that and um, so i would have a little bit of concern that rob has is coming straight back into an international without game time um, but like i said probably two ten days ago i wouldn't have been concerned but seeing seeing sexton failing in that regard and murray you know form and Manny not being as, as fresh as he's been in the past or looking as energetic then 
potentially there is an issue there with Roth. All the indications were that if Henshaw was fit, that he would have moved to centre anyways, that Carney would have been back at full back. With the World Cup, what, six, seven months away at this stage, do you think that's the end of the Henshaw at fullback experiment? Um, possibly in the Six Nations. Well, I think Joe was, was probably quite keen to give him a run in a big game um, in order to, to, I suppose, have a plan B in terms of personnel for Carney. We've criticised the, the, the style of our play and say we don't apparently have a plan B or plan C, but I, I think he certainly has plan B and plan C in terms of personnel. Maybe if he asked plan personnel B and personnel C to do the same job, that's that's another query. But um, yeah, I think we I think he was he was very keen to look at, at the likes of Henshaw starting a big international game under pressure, under stress, and give him that experience. He he did come into to recognition um, from his from his um, breakout year in Connacht as a fullback. So mm. it's not like he's not comfortable playing there, but he was under under severe pressure uh, against England based on how they played, a little bit based on his probably his rustiness himself and a little bit based on, on maybe Keith Earl's injury and, and having to kind of cover one and a half people positioning. It's probably, look, it's a difficult question to answer, but just when you talk about Conor Murray's struggle for a bit of form at the moment, and Johnny Sexton hasn't played a huge amount of rugby, what what does Joe Schmidt do with those players? You just have to keep them on the pitch and presume that it's all going to come together for them? Yeah, I, I certainly would have, I would have thought so right now. Um, far, you know, far too much credit in the bank to, to, to overly query their, their, their capacity. We, I think we, we're, all, we're all entitled to... to to uh, acknowledge that they had a poor day. It's not like they didn't. They were poor on the day, quite poor. And uh, But, you know, they're top class. They're, they're world-class players, both of them. And we, we have a number of world-class players uh, through the squad. I think probably more so in the forward pack than we do in the back, back line. Iron, ironically, I think our, probably our, our two key world-class guys in the back line are the two guys who are off form in, in Connor and Johnny. So... I'm sure Joe will just uh, ride it out, have a chat with the two guys, see see where they probably were able to figure it, figure it out for themselves and, and adjust and, and make amends coming into Saturday. You're going to be over at Murrayfield covering the game for us on Saturday afternoon. Of course, you'll also be there for your secondary role as chairman of the Finn Russell Fan Club. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, well, I'm I much like I've become a. Um, Big fan of how Ulster rugby have played this season, and I see Dan McFarland has very much taken his learnings from his experience in Scotland under Gregor Townsend. I'm as much a fan of Finn Russell as as I'm a fan that he is empowered to be creative on the field by his coaching. And I think the Scottish style at the moment is dangerous. It's great to watch. It's exciting, um, and Russell is the ideal uh, talisman to run that for the Scottish team. He's not without his off days. He's had a few horrific games this season and uh, he's lost. He's, he's a guy who can lose games for you, but he's also a guy who can win games for you outright. And I think uh, probably one of the moments of the Six Nations last year was his left-to-right pass from deep against England. It was one of the most beautiful passes I've seen in a rugby field in about 10 years. He is, he is a guy who brings kind of five rock star moments to, to rugby and uh, it will be interesting to watch him on Saturday. We've just spent 20 minutes being, I guess, pretty negative about Ireland. It's hard not to be after the performance last week. And Scotland impressed for parts of that game last weekend, though they have left their hat-trick hero on the bench. Kinghorn, after that hat-trick, has been replaced by Sean Maitland. 
How worried are you for Saturday? Or are you worried at all? Do you, do you think yeah, that Ireland that Ireland is an automatic response to what happened last weekend? No, I, I would be worried. I'd be just concerned that um, I, I don't anticipate we're going to change our style. I think we're just going to look to do it better. And I look, we're, you know, Joe is always big on execution and attention to detail. And um, you look at the defence, you will look at how we play in that belligerent way, and he'll, he'll try and ensure players executed to a far higher level. Um, so. That does worry me because, uh, again, that makes us easy to read. And if Scotland are up for it physically, um, it does. It does. I mean, yeah, it makes the stomach tighten a little bit uh, when you consider how creative they can be. I just don't think Scotland are at the level yet, just yet, where they can contain us physically, even though they know what's coming. I don't think they can contain us for for eighty minutes. I expect to be a lot of residual anger based on, on, on our efforts last Saturday. And there's a lot of top class, hugely experienced internationals in our group who, who won't take kindly to criticism and, and their own performances as they reflect in them last Saturday. So even though I think we're going to go out and do the same thing, but do it better, I don't think Scotland uh, will be able to contain us. All right. Good stuff, Andy. We'll talk to you Saturday. Cheers, Nathan. Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team. Team of us. Everyone in.